Coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. Welcome. We are so delighted that you have joined us today. This is a very special time on our planet. As you know, we're not all happy right now. And it's not only the weather and it's not only COVID. Nobody really likes the conflicts that are going on today. And so with that, I thought we'd better find out a way that you and I can use these conflicts to increase our well-being and maybe even our happiness. Conflict, I had two yesterday that I had to get on the phone and settle. I felt so good after because it worked out. I ha- I faced the conversation. We had the conversation and we ended up creating something brand new. What never would have happened if I wouldn't have picked up the phone and had that conversation. So today yeah. going to find pardon me. Our attorney wants to talk and I want to hear him. This is this is my friend, my new friend Eric. Eric Sorotkin. You know, I was on our Rotary E-Club of World Peace, and he was our guest speaker just Tuesday. Here it is Thursday, and he's on his way to a world trip, and he was said yes because I want him to hear. I want you to hear him. Eric, what did you just say about that? Well, I about the trip or about... Uh, uh, I, I made a comment, and you said something, and I interrupted you. No, you didn't interrupt me. I was just saying that uh, what came to mind for me was the magic that happens within collaboration, within mediation, sometimes within restorative justice programs. And the, the approach we take to conflict can really open our hearts in really special ways. And those ripples have an effect. So I'm not surprised that you lived in the magic just by going into the conflict, but going in um, with confidence and with uh, uh, that openness. It makes a huge difference. It sure does. And you know, Eric, you're listening to Eric Sorotkin, and he helps people and countries and nations navigate conflict, navigate conflict in a way that enhances their well-being and maybe the health of their nation and the health of their population. Now, you know, he doesn't just do this by himself. He trains lawyers to integrate wellness principles into their practices. Boy, we wish we had you around when we had some of those conflicts in Santa Barbara. Practices Mm -hmm. to benefit both themselves and their clients. Since 1981, he's engaged in complex litigations. And you know, I think of him now, whenever I used to get those Christmas cards, from Desmond Tutu. And I always said, look, Robert, Desmond Tutu sent us a Christmas card. And he said, yeah, he likes to connect. Well, now I understand what that means. He likes to connect. Tell us about that, Eric. There's something magic in connection, isn't there? Oh, their connection is so special. And uh, Archbishop Tutu was such a model of that in so many ways. And he, uh, he was the chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and I was the co-chair of the International Monitoring Project of the Truth Commission in South Africa. And I got to work some with him and meet with him. And the, the meeting I remember most is about connection because we got together in this little cafe in the back during the first Truth Commission hearings, and he, uh, he went ahead and opened 
Uh, I was there to record something for him to encourage monitors to come over. And, and he just stopped me and said hi and connected in such a way that was so special. And then he explained to me the power of Ubuntu because I asked him about it and a little smile came to his face and he gave me such a lesson that I'll never forget. The connection, that moment. Robert always used it, even on during my Robert Mueller was at the United Nations for 40 years, and he was ended up from intern to United Nations Assistant Secretary General. But there was something special when they started the General Assembly meetings, which are connecting within the next week or so. They would say, let's have palabras first, not documents. Let's just talk. Let's just talk for a moment. And then we'll move into what we need to do today because the connection of voice and the connection of being in the same room at the same time is very mm -hmm. powerful. And I'm saying that because in 1981, he was engaged in complex litigation that allowed multi-million dollar corporations to kind of settle things in a way that everybody was a winner. And then listen to this, this is from the interview or actually the bio that David Wick put together. He was a UN sponsored, election observer at President Mandela's election and coordinated the International Monitoring Project of the South Africa Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now think about that. Being in Africa, South Africa, being present for some very historical moments. And he went with, what did you go with? How did you prepare yourself for these moments? Well, the, the, the initial moment was 1991, where we group of us were invited over to work on the ANC proposed Bill of Rights for a new constitution. And, and the, it was very raw, the transformation at that point. Mandela had been out of prison about six months, and there were still bombs going off and real uncertainty about would there be a transfer of power. And I got such a incredible... Um, inspiration from people there who were were had been planning to look at the world differently for so long and had been holding on to that dream for so long and so they uh they just inspired me to no end and so i started working on southern africa work at that time uh through the national lawyers guild and then i went to be an observer and we'd go in the countryside and we'd go with mediators into the countryside in the weeks before the election. And they would find two opposite factions and would get them together in the room and find that common ground of a free and fair election, create an atmosphere for a free and fair election, not just hold an election. And that work, and at the end, they stood up and sang a prayer together as if they'd been singing together forever. And, and those kind of moments just stick with you. And then when we got to the Truth Commission hearings and people who could, this is what Archbishop, the Archbishop described as Ubuntu, how it was that people could come forward after suffering such atrocities and still laugh and cry and be willing to forgive. And that to him was the power of Ubuntu, what he used to call the essence of humanity, that we are connected and corporate, not sol solitary individual. And that what I do to you, I do to myself. And this is a became a foundational aspect of my lawyering and my work, uh, how I approached cases, even in trials, uh, changed the way I was able to walk in 
this earth, really. And so I'm involved with this organization, the Ubuntu Works Project. I'm also a practicing trial lawyer, but I, I am involved with uh, that and coordinate that because it is a, a type of living that I feel can help save us going forward in so many ways when we approach from that angle of vision to what Vaclav Havel used to say, from what separates us to move to what unites us as being the, how we can save the planet and the world civilization. And I, I really believe that those kind of principles are not new, new ideas, but our Western society has always been the individual, uh, individualistic pull up by your bootstraps and particularly here in the United States. And, and so I believe that uh, this opens up all kinds of opportunities for us. And that's why I want uh, the Ubuntu Works Project to expand that notion into all our major institutions. Imagine if that were true. Imagine if we were feeling connected with the people we're looking at. If we could find out what is that energy that connects us. And that's what Ubuntu does. And it, I think because that's how I only knew Nelson Mandela through my husband's stories. But they were so close. And Nelson Mandela came here several times to Santa Barbara. And mm -hmm. the whole audience was like riveted to him. And they felt connected. There's something about that way that we connect even if we're a speaker at a conference that allows the audience to feel they're one with you. And that's what I get when I look at you. That's what I get when I hear your voice. You, you strive to have us all become one unit of people who are feeling and thinking and breathing together. Yeah, I think one unit, I think we are one unit. And I think that that has been a philosophy more than a philosophy, but a way of life of Native American groups, of Aboriginal groups, of Buddhists, of other people who have seen the world through that lens of interconnection. And I really believe that um, it is less about um, learning it as far as, as, as much as it is about stripping away the layers that keep us disconnected from that recognition. Because when I understand that your pain is my pain, it changes the way racist issue, racism works. It changes the way warfare can exist or not exist on the planet. Um, it's it's like Solzhenitsyn when he said, good and evil, he says, you, you, you can't, it runs through the heart of any, of every person and who's going to cut out a piece of their own heart. It is not so black and white, us and them. It is much more about our connection and we feel it. You know, one of the, Barbara, one of the things I think about a lot and is, is just growing up and going out to a lake as a kid even, and someone drives by in a boat and you know, you wave to them. Can you picture how you wave? And those people wave back at that moment that feeling of connection uh, when, when they have just acknowledged one another through that momentary exchange really taught me that there's something going on there under the surface. You can feel it as in a visceral level. And so the many ways that we can learn to interconnect, connect uh, really is our saving grace. I feel like we all have a desire to be connected. 
I, I think that's a basic desire of our human nature. Even animals have that basic desire to feel connected. And you see these dogs all sleeping together because they love that connection. And you see people holding hands for the connection. So the desire to feel connected is what I feel Ubuntu is. But you've been a peace activist for a really long time. Yeah. I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's been a part of my upbringing and my parents were uh, act, a little active, certainly active during the, the Vietnam War and before that, really, in a lot of uh, campaigns for social justice. And they kind of, uh, uh, I, it kind of modeled for me a way of being in the world that it, you have to be outside yourself too. You have to give back in that way. And I was involved early with anti-apartheid work in uh, getting the state of New Mexico to di divest its resources in South Africa companies. And, and then I worked on Central American refugees helping churches and other people deal with during the 80s when refugees were fleeing Central America. We worked a lot on, on that and seeing in the eyes of those children who were um, traveled so far and freeing the oppressive governments that uh, were propped up in those days by the United States, that was so inspiring to me uh, just their heart, the heart that they held and maintained on. I didn't know about Ubuntu then, but I can clearly see it now. And, and in New Mexico, we do a lot of work and had done a lot of work around nuclear issues. Los Alamos is here and otherwise, and sort of cut my teeth on that. I've always helped demonstrators engage in free speech and, and put on some trials and get people out of jail when we could. And, and those kind of, the courage that came from that is it's infectious it's contagious it and when you, you keep going people, you keep wanting you to, to do more up. good work yeah you know exactly. i understand totally you know some people watching today don't have the privilege of really being in the middle of a conflict in a way that would allow them to feel that joy of making something work that wasn't working but what about a model for peace is there such a thing? I remember on the interview that we had with you on our broad Rotary E-Club of World Peace, you mentioned a 12-step model for peace. Are there a few steps that we could practice today, tomorrow, and maybe forever? Well, I did. I developed a 12-step model for peace using a lot of these principles. I was doing Korea peacemaking work for about a dozen years around, would go to North Korea several times to South Korea, to Washington, try to get people dialoguing and talking, trying to interject a new languaging into that process. So one is adopting the language of peace and what does that entail? And how do we provide people with options, with ideas, with different angles of visions to look at their problems? I think that is key. Um, there's a notion we think of in a tug of war and where someone is pulling and the other side is pulling. If you let go of the war of the of the rope, uh, I mean it's very disconcerting if you're not going to engage in the adversarial aspect, if you're going to engage with skills like active listening, which is a parenting skill. Uh, or was developed around PET training, parent effectiveness training. Active listening is so powerful, compassionate listening. There's a lot of people um, who work with Carol Wyshynski and others who developed that over the years. We have uh, so many um, 
different ways to listen, to uh, relinquish the result, if you will, and look at the process of relationship. And how we do that becomes very important too. I'm a big believer in the energetics of protest. You don't have to go to South Africa. You don't have to meet, uh, have met Desmond Tutu or the Dalai Lama or some other people. You can actually, um, I think of those people on the corner, five people with a sign, US out of uh, Iraq or whatever it might be. And you could drive by those people and you could say, how will they get the war to end? How will they make a difference? But what you don't understand is that they're holding an intention for something. And one of those participants may be a young person who goes on to be a senator, goes on to run a corporation. And that moment of courage may train, change the trajectory for thousands or millions of people because of standing on that corner that day. And so there is inspiration when you act with intention for peace. There's inspiration when you connect with others with that message. And when you do it out of the blame game, you reduce the us versus them notion. That was a big issue around Korea peacemaking because the, the emphasis even from progressives was to demonize North Korea. And it's not like they don't have their demons uh, as many countries do. It's just that um, we get very little progress when we don't climb into their shoes, if you will. That old adage from the To Kill a Mockingbird when Atticus Finch described to his child that you have to climb into their skin and walk around in it. These are principles that help us evolve as a species. It helps you in your personal relationships at home. It helps you with your children. It helps you in your workplace with your boss. And there needs to be a whole revamping. I just finished a book on um, surviving and thriving at work that's just out. And uh, you can go to survivingatwork.org. And it is um, it talks about feelings and languaging and, and all new how concepts you... in the workplace, all new, con but they shouldn't be new. They should be no. our standard. Well, they're also ancient concepts. I mean, not only do they exist in ecological thinking and, and transitional justice or what's now called integrative or collaborative law, they exist in all kinds of areas and we need to get inspired by what is out there. But these are ancient principles. They go back to um, when we're dealing with um, black, uh, black Elk or Chief Seattle or other Native Americans who talk about the web of life and the blood that flows through me flows through you. It exists all across the world. So it's time that we really go deep into indigenous conflict resolutions like the Navajo Peacemaker Courts, other types of remedies, and learn from each other. We don't have to adopt a particular approach, but what we do need to do is get in touch with that essence of being human, which is so inspiring. And that is our Ubuntu essence or whatever any culture might call it. Most cultures have a name. And, and so this deep understanding can really help heal the planet and our relationships. That is so beautiful. I wanna have a, on my desk, the essence of being human. We are human beings, we are together. 
And I never even had a moment today to, you see, I'm Barbara Gonmuller, and I'm here to welcome you to Peace Podcast. Peace Podcast, I created many years ago after my late husband passed away. And I said, we needed more health, mutually assured survival, and a well-being on our planet. And maybe the work that I did at La Casa de Maria on the board of the Immaculate Heart community, we felt that if you had mentors, mentors allow you to become more of who your potential is, of what your potential is. Today, as you listen to Eric, you're thinking, well, I maybe carried a sign. Maybe that was a sign that I'm going to do something different in my future. I have so many stories of people from a tiny little action, tiny little involvement allowed them to change their mind about their future. And I remember being with David Tiedemann and some of these fantastic speakers. And he said at the beginning of the conference, today, I give you permission to change your mind. Yeah. I think today, Eric gave us permission to change our mind about conflict, to change our thinking about the results of conflict, the way we can bring peace to that moment. But it begins with each of us. It doesn't just have a magic wand. It begins with what would you say in your peace work? Eric? I, I, I would say it begins with um, expanding our tool sets, our, uh, you know, that old, the old adage, if your only thing you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's, uh, you really need to expand your, uh, uh, your skill set around just listening. These aren't complicated ideas. We're often prone to try to fix everything. We're prone to, you know, particularly I think men in certain ways have not always been the best listeners because they they it's just, it's a kind of skill set that wasn't taught. But in the end, if we can develop school programs, if we can within our workplaces, if we can within our institutions, which is what the Ubuntu Works Project's goal is, is to bring these skill sets to our institutions that think about hope, think about the idea that it's that simple. It's an angle of vision issue. Do we look at a world that's based on the world of separation or do we support an era of Ubuntu, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, an era of relationship? How do we change relationships around the planet? And it starts with listening and it starts with um, reflecting back when people are in pain and struggle and stepping in their shoes. And then I think it comes up with creative solution making. And that once we do that, we come up with much more creative solutions. The, the most egregious conflicts mm. can find common ground. And that's what the message I want to get out there. That's the message of that is to me what peace is all about inside and out. That is so beautifully said. Eric Sorotkin, I cannot thank you enough for giving us a half hour of your time, the precious time of your life. I know you have so much to do, but could you give us a website just in case somebody wants to go and really understand this Ubuntu and what it is to bring peace to a conversation? Yeah, it you can go either to my website, ericsorotkin.com. It's S-I-R-O-T-K-I-N. Or you can Eric go to Eric yeah. Okay, thank you. And you can go to um, ubuntuworks.org. 
the uh, Ubuntu works. You can think about it. It does work. That's what I found. And uh, you can go there as well. We're a, a nonprofit 501c3. You can donate to our vision. You can donate some time, or you can just send some of your ideas and thoughts and hopes and dreams because those have great weight and value to us uh, trying as we do each day to continue this journey. And it's not hard when people like yourself, Barbara, and these programs are out there because it gives us all hope that we are on the right path. Thank you so much for those words. You know, there's so much we can do and there's so much we can learn because we're still evolving as humans. You know, we're still learning that it's not about what you're thinking that counts. It's about what's going on right now, the connection between us. And so often in a conversation, we think about the outcome. We think about what we're going to say next. Put that aside. I have found whenever I'm with the people that may not agree with me, I stop thinking about what I'm going to say. I stop thinking about the outcome. I let the occasion create the moment. The occasion mm -hmm. is bigger than I am. That moment that we're creating together right now, Eric and I, mm -hmm. is bigger than me coming in and saying, oh, I remember when. No, I'm right here now. And right here now is the presence that I give you and the present that Eric gave us today. Now, if you want to have more conversations, you have to practice. It doesn't just happen because, oh, now I'm going to do a moon too. No, it happens when you practice. Go to his website. Pay attention to what he does. And if you want one more little interview with him, go to Rotary E-Club of World Peace and listen to him. He just did a whole half hour. He put all his PowerPoint together. You know, my my editor of my Peace Community Magazine wanted to put a your your PowerPoint in because it was so fantastic. And every, what did they say at the end? We need more of you. We don't want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we need more of each other. And the world can seem so divisive. And in the end, there's much more in common we have than what divides us. What beautiful words. There's much more in common than what divides us. I'm Barbara Gahn-Mueller. I'm saying God bless you. Thank you, Eric. And you have a safe journey as you travel the world, practicing Ubuntu and bringing peace to wherever you hang out. I'm Barbara again. I thank you for joining me. Have a peace conversation. R sit down with a friend and watch Eric and have a conversation. See what happens. You never know. And I say bless you. Keep watching peacepodcast.org. I'll see you next week.